With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast. Bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. I'm Cameron. We got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And we got Scott over there on the piano. Hey, 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 Ute fans. How are you? Coming from you live. Coming from you live. <laughs> we got Casey Kasem over there. <laughs> All top right, 40 Ute countdown. It's good to be back. I've done a couple episodes without you guys. It's been lonely. It's good to be back in the studio. He's leaving us in the dust. He's a big deal now. <sighs> he, he is a big deal. Kind of a big deal. I don't know if you know this. I have many leather-bound books. <laughs> All right. Let's kind of hit you know some news real quick before we kind of go into football and, and spring football and whatnot. The first bit of news, Utah's getting... So, well, I don't think it's finalized, but they're looking at getting a new baseball field on campus. That's $7.5 million is what they're estimating for a cost. Scott, I know you said last summer that that's something you would have like, well, that you would like to see going forward for the baseball team. Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence on it, but really? you, you've got to, you got to get, you got to get off the fence, right? Why, why are you on the fence? Because well, no, that's Ryan's job, usually. Well, that is true. true. That is true. true. But Utah has got to get off the fence with baseball. Oh. So either they're you're, so bad. Either I can't you're going hey, to drop seven and a half million. Hey, wait, what's it? What's it? What's it? They're number turn? one in the in the conference right now. What standings are you looking at? They're number one in the Pac-12 standings. We're number one. We're a uh, big deal. Pull it up. I don't I believe don't you. Buy it. They were. They were for the first uh, week of the and two weeks of the season. Game one. Uh, wait, what does that say? Who's number one? Hey, hey, so we got a good baseball team. Uh, In conference, they're doing okay, but look at their overall record. 13 and 20? Come on. That's horrible. Well, no one said that they're a powerhouse baseball team, but they finished dead last in the Pac-12, what, the last four years? Well, okay, can I get back to my original point? yeah, yeah. So, no, I mean... They've got to get off the fence because either you're just going to get rid of baseball and put your resources somewhere else, or you've got to try and make baseball successful. And you're not going to do that playing at, at uh, Smith, whatever they call it now, Spring Mobile, Smith's Ballpark. Smith's Ballpark. Um, so, I mean, they've got to they've got to make a decision on that. It looks like you know they're going to uh, they're going to put some resources into it. And maybe that'll bring some fruits. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe stuff happens. But See, they've got to do something. The thing I like about it is Chris Hill came out in the interview by Kyle Goon in the Salt Lake Tribune. He, Chris Hill, said that this was all donor money. 
It's not any taxpayers. It's not. Are these donors who hate football? It's probably donors that have more money than they can give to football. It'll have the Eccles name on it somewhere. No. If you're a donor and you like football, your money's not going to a baseball stadium. Let's be honest. It's true. Unless you've got so much money, it doesn't matter. Because that south end zone is begging. It is screaming, somebody rebuild me. Oh, I, somebody put what? my I, put your name all over me. I guarantee, Well, I agree with you on that, but I guarantee you there's donors out there that would love to tear that down and build a new one. But there's somebody at the U who's stopping them from doing that. N- all n- I not know, if they had the if if the money was in place, there's no way Chris Hill would be. I, I, I can't I can't see that. All I know is that we're getting a new video board, so I'm all right. Nothing's going to be ginormous. It's humongous. It's it kind is, of a big deal. It is. It's almost as big as our podcast. <laughs> phrase of the podcast tonight. Kind of Hashtag. It's kind of a big deal. No, it is. It's going to be sweet and. Uh, here, here's my question about it, though, and I'm sure many of you out there who are listening have seen a number of the photographs and maybe even seen it in person at the scrimmages. It's built back several feet from the south building. Is that to incorporate oh, an of expansion at some well, point? See, of right, uh, Scott and I were at practice on Saturday, and we were actually talking well, about yeah, it. I mean, they can't go any higher, though. They can't. The, the south end zone can't get any taller. It blocks the board. Well... What would what well, we as, think is the board with is. the frame? You could keep it low there and bring up the corners. You could, but I mean, I don't think it's too 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 hard if down the road they wanted to expand the south end zone and actually, you know, add rows of seats would increase the height. I can't imagine you can't bring in some new steel beams to raise it. Uh, you know, True. raise it another uh, fifty feet. But or it, 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 I mean, it's pretty cool that. The other one, it, they were in like those smoke stacks, what they, whatever those were, and then now they, I mean, these footings. These that's how we. Un- beans, that's how we humongous. told people when there was a new coach. We put smoke. <laughs> Anyways, it's looking great. Uh, it's it's coming along. I I didn't realize what big project it was. Um, it's pretty neat. It's kind of a big deal. My two dollars per game is going towards that. <laughs> Well, I guess eight for all your seats. That's true. That's true. And the last bit of news, um, if you listen to the podcast, two podcasts ago with interviews that I did, you know, I kind of gave my thoughts about the satellite camps getting canceled. Well, it kind of broke today uh, by, I think it was ESPN that reported it, that Dan Guerrero, the AD for UCLA, was the representative for the Pac-12 and voted against satellite camps, which Larry Scott said was not the consensus of the conference and that he should have voted for satellite camps. And it came down to 11 of the 12 schools voted for it. He would not say what school was voting against it, but when asked if it was UCLA, Larry Scott said, you can draw your own conclusions. So I kind of gave my thoughts about satellite camps. Uh, I think it was kind of doing a disservice to a lot of the high school kids out there. And I mean, this is getting stranger and stranger now that there's a UCLA kind of taken over when they shouldn't have. Well, well Dan Guerrero 
first of all, why is he in charge? I mean, he can't even run his own athletic department correctly right now. So why? That wh- I mean, that was my first thought. Was why wasn't Larry down there? Or wherever the vote was taken. Like, why wasn't he? Why I think it should have been Chris go? Hill, quite frankly. <laughs> Who's with me? <laughs> Chris Hill for Pac-12 spokesman. No, I I, I don't understand. Uh, I don't know why how Dan Guerrero got that position, but uh, I can I can pretty much guarantee you he's not going to have it moving forward. Any when level you, of trust that was there when, before. Not, when 11 of now. 12 schools voted to keep it, to keep things the way they are, it's pretty clear UCLA was the school that said uh, um, no. And took it upon themselves. And took it upon themselves to disregard the voice of the other 11 schools in the conference. That's not going to sit well, not only with Larry Scott and the Pac-12 I mean, Mike office. Leach, Mike Leach has already come out. Oh, he was furious, furious about, it. about it. Well, and at the time before this broke... He, he couldn't figure out how we voted no, because he he said everybody he's talked to was in favor of it. So, uh, you know, that puts not only a bad light on Dan Guerrero but UCLA, and I can't assume, I can't imagine that makes the other eleven programs very happy with the, with UCLA right now. So that would kind of do it with the with the news. What's going on? Now, let's really talk about spring football, because I know that's what everyone wants to hear, everyone wants to talk about. Uh, before we do that, you know, this podcast is brought to you by our great sponsors at Double Tree Suites by Hilton, Salt Lake City, downtown, 110 West, 600 South. Give them a call, 801-359-7800. So, spring football, I mean, we're almost done with it. Spring game Saturday, one be last, there. Last week of spring. I've kind of said it on on the other podcast, Brandon Cox has been the biggest surprise for me. Quarterback well, play healthy. has been great. He's healthy. I mean, this he, is the first time he's really been healthy He hasn't spring. been healthy. Well, he hasn't been healthy really his whole career here. I, I mean, Winningham has talked about that, that this is the first time he's been healthy since he's been he played in he played in the first spring game he was here and literally has not been able to stay healthy. So that I mean that right there gives him some continuity to be able to string practices together, have some confidence. He doesn't quite frankly have a standout guy in front of him. I mean we we all kind of think and hope that Troy's going to be that guy, but after he goes out with that injury, we really don't know how things are going to shake out come fall. So for me, you know, I'm no I'm no quarterback guru or expert on this. Uh, Huntley is going to be he's going to be good. He's fun to watch. The ball comes out of his hand. You look at him and you go, "That's how a quarterback should look." And it's crazy. He was in high school like two well, months ago. He still should be in. He should he should I, be that's in what, PE that class is so, right, right so now. Crazy. We're learning about humanity or something, but uh, he'll be good. He's not ready yet. So, but, but that's where Cox emerging like he has is really comforting as a Ute fan because if for whatever reason Troy, you know, doesn't pan out or is not what we all expect him to be, seeing what Brandon has been able to do so far. Now, granted, it's just spring, but he's he's showing command of the offense. He's 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 looking really good on his throws, the deep throws, accurate over the middle. Which we're all for, and uh, I I think there's uh, I think there's going to be a fun battle come fall between those two. 
like what you were saying of if, even if Troy Williams doesn't pan out like you said, but I mean every year we've been in the Pac-12, you need more than one quarterback to be successful. And I mean across college football, I mean you have to have depth at that position. So I think that's another thing that well we why proven, so we proven you don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to be you know honest here. <laughs> I'm happy for Cox that he's playing so well right now and and just because he's been hurt for the last couple of years. But he's an unproven commodity because of injury. That's why you've got to have Troy Williams get healthy. And and my whole, my whole thought process is Troy's spot to lose because you don't – from my standpoint, you don't bring in a JC quarterback – when, if he's not the guy, well, you, I mean, that's a thought. But if that JC quarter get back gets beat out, why would it not be Cox? And I, you're you're right, and and from a fan standpoint, I don't care who's the quarterback as long as he's good and winning games. I've always had in the back of my head that it's going to be Troy Williams, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe so Cox I, beats him. And out. And I think that's the other thing why I'm so impressed with with how Brandon Cox is. Not only playing, but just how he's handling himself on the field right now. He has full command of that offense. You see him in the huddles. He's stepping up in the I pocket. I mean, it is. He's not looking to run. He looks like a leader. He looks like a leader. All offseason, all everyone wanted to talk about were the two new quarterbacks coming in. Troy Williams and Tyler Huntley. Huntley. And rightfully so. They're highly recruited players that a lot of teams wanted. And Utah got them. He didn't let that face him. I think that's the thing I'm most impressed with the Cox is he didn't let that get in his way. He's still playing the way he is. Well, and but the other aspect I think you know we haven't really touched on is the fact that the other guys are this. There, this offense is brand new to him. This offense yeah. is not new to Cox. I mean, he at this point he's learned like five offenses at Utah, so he's got some. He's got some understanding of. Uh, of what you know, A Rod's trying to accomplish. You know, he uh, he ran uh, on the scout team last year, so I mean, he's got some. He's he's got that in his back pocket that right now um, Williams doesn't have, and since Williams is going to end up missing a big chunk of spring, you know that that's where I think this race gets close is the fact that Williams has lost so much of spring ball. Yeah, I would agree, and and I think. The reason there was so much talk with the two new quarterbacks coming in is one, Travis is gone, and we all know there's going to be a new quarterback coming in, and you're bringing in a JC guy and a highly touted freshman. The fan base didn't have any expectations for Cox because he's been in the program for three years and they haven't seen anything. They haven't, mostly because of injury, but they haven't been able to watch him play. So there, there's no expectation out there for him. So I think, to some extent, this is why it's a little bit of a shock that he is competing for the number one spot. Well, and I think, uh, I mean, Bill Riley was on the air this week, and uh, Portland U on Twitter actually talked about this and kind of got a discussion going. He said that, uh, Bill Riley said that, uh, we essentially have three quarterbacks that all are going to be better upgrades over Travis. You know, and that begs the question, why uh, 
why was Travis the guy last year? You know, and obviously Travis was better than Kendall too. But well, I, but I think part of it is Cox wasn't healthy. He wasn't able to show. He wasn't Cox, able to stay. Cox was the fourth guy last year because you still you had Chase. I mean, Hansen. you still had Manning too. I Chase mean, Hansen was the third string. We had a so we had a we had a catcher's mitt full of uh, quarterbacks there for a while. I mean, you remember last spring game? It was Manning versus Isom. Oh, and no. wasn't that a wow, doozy? That was a barn burner. <laughs> Woo. Those were some awesome field goals we had. No, oh, I'm not talking about the UCLA <laughs> game. <laughs> well, and you know, we've got a long way till end of fall camp and a, and a starter's um, chosen, I would assume. But, you know, what we what we have not had in years past is a, is a backup that is similar to your starter. We've had a pro set starter, a spread backup, or vice versa. And this is really the first year where we've had a backup that looks identical to whoever the starter is going to be. Because it's the first year we've had the same OC. Look, we're turning over new leaves, baby. (laughs) But no, I think that's going to pay dividends. I mean, not that that we want to get to our second string quarterback, but in the event you do, you don't have to switch up your offense. You don't have to completely change what you're trying to accomplish if... You know, the second string quarterback, whoever it is, whether it's uh, Williams or whether it's Cox. Well, if they com- if they keep competing at the same level they have been before Williams got hurt, of course, you're looking at one and one A, not one and two. So, and I think that's, I mean, we even talked about last year's spring. How much better is it now to be talking about quarterbacks that are productive and that quarterbacks that could start a Pac-12 game? To where we were even last year with our backup situations. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, there's definitely definitely progress, and you know, I love I love what Guy Holiday's brought to the staff, and and all you know, we're hearing reports of the wide receivers. I mean, Whittingham's even said it's probably one of the most the position group that's improved the most in spring, and that's huge, not only for. Uh, for guys to, for playmaking ability, but just to help out the quarterback, you know, and and you've even that's even without Tim Patrick, who isn't. Yeah, I think he started running routes. You know, you know what, Corey you know Butler what they've been, been out. You know what they've been working their tails off on this spring, blocking blocking downfield. Hallelujah! That is a something we haven't had in recent years. I mean, with our running game, our ability to run the ball, if if you can consistently block and maintain a block with McCormick's speed and with the running backs that we have, I mean, that's that's chunk yardage right there. That's yeah. big plays yeah. that that can come away from uh, from the passing game. Obviously, we've still got to you know be able to prove that we can throw the deep ball and we can consistently pass. And if we can, I know it's a big if, if we can get to that point, our running game takes another step. You know, I got a question. We're talking about the running game. I got a question for the two of you. So you go back to last year. If McCormick doesn't get hurt, he was slotted to play the slot. No pun intended. This year, it's looks like it's going to be between him and Williams battling out for the running back position. 
now Kyle Folks is apparently doing pretty well at the slot. So with McCormick's size, is he a good fit at the running back? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is I think this is one thing we've seen with him is uh, they send McCormick out on a lot of routes out of the backfield. Well, he's um, he's a he's a good he's he, he pass catching yeah, running back. He, he can catch really but well. Can he run between the tackles too? He's he's a, he's a faster Castile is in my opinion. Uh, that's a good analogy. And 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 if we, I would suspect we use him pretty similar where he's going to line up in the backfield. He's going to. He's gonna go in motion and, and so go to the slot. Be a lot of two back sets with Williams and McCormick, and, possibly. And, and I don't think we're gonna have a. I don't think we're gonna have a, a workhorse back there this year. I think you're no. gonna see a lot of splits. I think you're gonna see a lot of shared times. And you know what? Zach Moss from Florida hasn't even made it on campus. Who, if he's as good as advertised, he could be pushing for some playing time. And Manalo, otherwise uh, uh, Brooks Brown, who uh, I like uh, to call him Manalo, is in Barry Barry Manalo. Manalo. You know what? I do like myself a little Barry. Oh little Barry Manilow. That, that At the Copa. Copa Cabana. So I think overall during spring ball, the defense has really been winning the battles every day. I mean, and rightfully so. It's it's a top ten in the country defense. Um, Might be top five. At least the line. Morgan Scally's taken over. Uh, we did have the notorious Sai tweet at us, and he thinks under Scally that we're going to have more sacks than we did last year. Maybe be a little bit more aggressive than under Peace. I, I think there's. I think you're definitely going to see a little bit of a difference. Peace, and you can't argue with what Peace produced. It was a great defense, but it was a defense that kept everything in front a little bit, maybe. I don't think predictable is the the best term. A little more conservative than Osiris or Sataki, um, but it worked. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think I think I think obviously we'll have to wait and see. But I I would suspect um, Scally's you know from what you're hearing, some interviews that have been done, some things that he said, you know he he wants to have an aggressive defense. So you, I'm sure you're going to see some different blitzing, some different packages, and utilizing our front our front boys. Because they're huge, we got a lot of them, and we are deep. Well, you you got to remember though, two years ago when we had all those sacks, it was because of the speed on the edge. I mean, Orchard was nobody could stop him. He got off the ball so fast and got back to the quarterback, and and Dimmick was a recipient of Orchard getting so much attention. And last year we didn't have those. Edge guys weren't weren't as fast as Orchard was, and I think this year, I think Fitz is probably a little better than he was last year. Uh, Pittati is apparently coming on pretty strong, and Dimmick's healthy again, so maybe. Well, and I think the key with Pittati is we can now have him on the field other than third down, and that's been his biggest knock is he can't get on the field because he can't play the run. And so we just play him on third and passing situations, and he was successful at that. But if we can get him on the field and double his the amount of plays, maybe triple the amount of plays that he's being able to produce on, I think that's huge. Reports are that he's really kind of 
you know, he's maintained that speed, but he's also kind of bulked up where he's going to be able to play the run a little bit better. Um, the name to watch, he will be a household name. If not this year, next year. But he's going to do things this year. Redshirt freshman Chris Hart from Florida. Redshirted last year. He had a great practice this past Saturday. Oh, now granted, I understand he wasn't going up against the uh, the starting offensive line. But he was he was beating his guy on the edge on every every snap. And the thing about him is he's he already playing linebackers. He's playing D D N. He's a D end. That's his position. I'll bet you see him kind of morph a little bit. I'll bet you they know he'll be a little bit of a hybrid guy sometimes on the line. Sometimes he'll probably play some been coverage listed as the starting stud linebacker for. Uh, well, Kyle see. Whittingham came out and said he was a D D end. I mean, unless there's injuries, he's not going to play in front of Fitz or Dimmick. No, oh, well, spring he's been getting he's been getting his reps at D end. He has been on he uh, on Saturday when we were watching him, he was on he was playing D end. And, and, and but I, like I said, I, I would suspect he is utilized a little bit of a hybrid, um, you know, in coverage as in the linebacker spot. He's got good size. He's got speed. Yeah, and he's young, so he's gonna be he's gonna be somebody to watch out for. And pretty much, we have everybody back in the secondary, including Chase Hansen. Yeah, I mean that's a great point. We haven't even seen Chase at all this spring. Do you think he's gonna play linebacker? No, well, he'll be your safety. Art- there was an article in the Deseret News today with Whittingham saying that he'll go into fall camp as a safety. He's a safety, and that's where you're going to play him. Probably a strong safety. Yeah. Because he's not going to take William's spot. No, Marcus Marcus is, Marcus is has an opportunity to be an all-conference player this year. Our, I mean, our secondary, I mean, you look across the board, really our only weakness, and I wouldn't even call it a weakness, it's the only question mark is going to be the linebackers. And uh, and how we're able to replace both Joni Paul and Jared Norris, and Jason Whittingham, and, and yes, exactly took the words right out of my mouth. All right, I think that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, don't forget the red and white game this Saturday at noon. You- they will be televising it on the Pac-12 Network, but don't be that fan. Don't watch it on TV. Record it and come and watch it live in the stadium, and then watch it at home later. Yeah, be a true fan. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. That's Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott? Well, if I'm not at the Copacabana, then you can find me at Uteman underscore forever. <laughs> you can follow me and this podcast on Barry. Twitter, Facebook, yes, Instagram. Santa. Utah Man Podcast, and you can download us on iTunes, Stitcher, pretty much any podcatcher. Download us, take us on the go. Until next time, go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. You know, Cam, you I'm know, doing a whole tryouts for new hosts. I just come to say, Cam, I love you. Yeah, shut up, Scott. Dun, 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 dun. Is this your new I song that you've been come. practicing?
to say how much I care. Mic drop. I just call. You clap. I think I just clapped nine times, actually. <laughs> what does eight have to do with anything? I don't know. You guys don't know what the eight... You're part of the Pac-12. You don't know what the eight clap is? No. It's UCLA's, like, slogan. It's what they live off of. Eight clap. What does it mean? Surrounded by amateurs. <laughs> Please. I don't know what it means. Well, these two big deals are going to leave you behind. <laughs> but, trust me. I think it was seven. <laughs> so he did nine and seven. He still hasn't hit eight. <laughs> well, either is UCLA. 